afternoon, everyone. So as promised, we're always going to be bringing knowledge and accessibility with all of our podcast episodes. You know, we basically talk about a lot of financial literacy in the forms of home buying, um, credit repair, business credit. So today we have special guest, Sonia Lewis, who's a known to the world as the student loan doctor. Now, real fast, before we even go in, I want to tell my very quick story, right? So when I started k a Credit Counseling on Instagram, I was very intentional with who I wanted to follow um, and exactly who I wanted to connect with. And upon looking for different professionals to follow, I saw an Instagram account that was named The Student Loan Doctor, and I was mind blown. And I'm like, okay, this person definitely has to be a competitor of mine because at the time I was definitely um, removing a lot of student loans. So when I saw it, I said, okay, her business focus must be to remove student loans from these individuals' credit report. I was absolutely wrong. Let's just say that when I did my research, I was even more mind blown to learn that um, Sonia, Sonia, I'm sorry, was one of the first, the only, not first, the only Black woman that has a student loan repayment program. Um, not only that, she has been able to help and serve over 20,000 people within student loans. So Sonia, please tell us who you are and what you're about. Thank you for having me. Um, and thank you for checking out our page. Um, we get that a lot. Everyone thinks that we make like student loans disappear off of the credit report. I'm like, no, no, no. We've got some partners to refer you to. But um, all we do, and we do it really well, is stay in the lane of helping people understand their student loan debt. And there's been so much happening with student loans in the last few years. Um, our business has taken off tremendously because uh, we're, if not us, maybe besides, you know, studentaid.gov, could you just find some helpful information to understand what's happening with loans? Um, and so as the student loan doctor, the goal that I set forth when I created the business was simply to be a resource um, to particularly, you know, women and particularly Black women who suffer the most with student loan debt. Now, the thing is, our platform serves everybody and we're not just inclusive to Black women. But what we found is um, as a Black woman and servicing Black women, it's a safe space. So a lot of the times we'll see clients with five-figure and six-figure student loan debt, um, and they just don't know where to begin. It hinders things like their credit. It hinders things like home buying particularly, right? So I love what you're doing because um, the challenge is no one tells you these things when you're in college or in grad school about what's going to happen after you're done and how if you keep taking these refund checks or you know excessive borrowing, your, your whole life is really dependent on those uh, those years of college or grad school. So in any case, um, we don't make people feel bad about their choices at all. A lot of people are first-generation college students or first-generation graduate students, and there is just really not a scripted game plan on what to do with their loans after. So we provide resources. We're so excited because um, with the recent uh, discharge of the public service loan forgiveness program, we've helped up to $5 million in debt be eradicated. And all we did every day, all day, in that process was just share information about how to apply for the loan forgiveness program. So our mission um, sometimes varies, sometimes changes, especially depending on what the Biden administration is doing nowadays, right? Um, but our mission is always the same, is to be a resource for Hub. And the nice thing is, um, Kiana, people are moving out of our atmosphere in terms of owing debt, and they're asking questions like, how do I buy a home? 
Or how do I start to invest? How do I buy my first property, right? And so this uh, podcast is very timely for our audience as well, because a lot of them now are looking about five, six figures lighter, and they're ready to go to the next phase. So look, it's so funny that you say that because I started, um, I went directly to community college mm-hmm. and I'm coming out of high school and FAFSA was my best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that it was like a really big deal to have been receiving this refund check, but we had no instruction. And like you said, we had no particular hub to rely on to let us know that this refund check, we need to actually apply it to the federal funding that we were receiving um, to pay for our school. And I think um, if we would have known that early in age, mm-hmm. then I think it will be a difference on how our finances are, right? So I think that that's kind of like one of the gaps that that still is not being mended within, I'm just going to be honest and say within a Black household. Mm-hmm. So what age do you think is applicable for parents to start teaching or educating um, their students about financial aid? I think- Or student loans, let's say that. I think the conversation starts around seventh, eighth grade because there's a there's a series of timelines here, right? So we know in seventh grade you're you're taking your PSATs to determine what eighth grade program you're into. Eighth grade you're taking, I think it's the SATs if I'm not mistaken. I could be totally off with these titles, but I know eighth grade is very important for you to get into high school. But see, the thing is, if you're not a stellar student in eighth grade and you're not getting into the very best high school, now your your chances and competition for college are becoming a lot slimmer at eighth grade, right? And I'm so grateful that my mom um, is a former school teacher. She had a lot of insight on how to navigate me. So I remember in sixth grade, she sat me down and she told me, she said, for seventh grade, I'm going to put you into this school. And when I put you in this school, you're going to go here for seventh grade. You're going to get straight A's. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? And the pressure. And I wasn't a straight A student, Karen, just by the way. I'm like a, a B student, really a C student, but I had personality, so they gave me Bs. But she was real clear. She's like, this school is like super easy. It's so funny how it's like, she's like, you'll go get straight A's. So that's what I did. I literally went to seventh grade and got, seven, and got straight A's. So then she said, so then what we're going to do is we're going to petition you to get into a, a magnet school for eighth grade. I'm like, oh, I'm like, no, that's not like real work. So she was like, but you could do it. So we got in. And we got into the school at eighth grade. Okay, cool. So then I remember feeling like a lot of pressure because now these is like real smart kids, Kiana. So this is a little different. So she was like, you know, you'll be able to keep up. You want to study a little harder. She was like, because your eighth grade determines your high school. She was like, yeah. I want you to get into uh, uh, one of the magnet high schools. I, I went to school in Philadelphia. And um, she said, you got to go to one of the top five in order to get you scholarships. So again, my mom's a single mom. So she had it all like laid out, right? So the plan for me was I was supposed to get some scholarship money and I was supposed to be able to rely on her for some assistance with maybe like some money towards the semester or some books. Well, my mom got really, really sick um, junior year of high school. And I remember being like so grateful that I went to a top high school. And I knew that about that time, Kiana, this is sophomore year going into junior year. I'm like, oh, I got to step these grades up because I need scholarship money. So this conversation, I'm just using this story as an example we started really early on in the process and always understanding what the end goal was. And my mom was very transparent that there was not a lot of money to help me go to school. But then the little money that I thought was going to be available to be able to help me go to a community college or a state college, whatever that would have looked like, was totally gone. Because when she got sick, she lost her hearing and she had to retire early. 
So now we're on social security. You know, this is like financially, it's looking a lot different. I had to start working my junior year. So now not only am I keeping up great grades to get scholarship money, now I'm working from five to 10. So I'm like a whole little baby adult, right? So fast forward, I go to Bloomsburg University. And then that's when I realized when I got there freshman year, I had so much scholarship money coming in, Kiana, from high school. Like I literally had like 16 scholarships for a paid freshman year. But then it hit me. Who's going to pay for a sophomore, junior and senior year? Right. So these things are important. So then I remember being on college campus like I got to apply for every scholarship. And this is before the little scholarship apps that we got now. This is before the website. I know I look young, but child, I was like knocking on doors in college, asking every department. Girl, if the if the biology department would have had a scholarship, I'd have been a biology major because I needed to graduate. So luckily, um, I did get a full ride by literally spending a day knocking on doors. So when people be telling me about like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I put my sneakers on. I own like one pair. I used to wear heels in college. And I used to knock on like every door. And anyway, I say all that to say um, I'm really grateful before my mom got sick that she was that she had all of that insight. So for parents listening, really, can I think that the process for paying for college uh as debt-free as possible, it starts at like seventh, eighth grade. And so your child understands the vision. One more story I'll share with you that really blew my mind was a young lady who she set up in her child's room, two, two boys, a chart where she would set up a, it was a, a 501, what was it? No, I'm sorry, 523 plan. And basically that's a scholarship savings plan that you can set up in your state. You can invest into it or you could just do a guaranteed savings, right? So you want to talk with a professional about that. Long story short, what she would do is every birthday, Kiana, she would ask people and she would text out the link, please donate to their college fund. She would then take a color marker after every birthday or whenever they had celebrations for stuff and she would color in the money moving. You imagine being a child waking up to a color block that says you now have 50,000 for college. Mentally, you are going to perform better, right? That's, I'm going to use that for my child. So mentally, that child's going to go to school with a different type of purpose than another child because I woke up and I saw that now I'm this year I'm at 70000 for college. So it's not if I can afford college. It's just which college I need to go to. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that story, her name is Lisa. I thought she was amazing. I don't know who told her that. But I, when I met her boys, fast forward, um, he was like, oh, he was like, my community college is already paid for if I wanted to go there. He was like, this year we're working on my state college. And then he's like, by the time I get to high school, because these are like 9, 10, 11. He was like, by the time I get to high school, he was like, I should totally be able to go to a private school if I wanted to. He's like, I might even go to HBCU. Like, like that's a great plan. So, so I appreciate the question because a lot of times um, we think that college preparation begins in 11th and 12th grade. But no, it really begins when they're like babies and like five and six years old even at best seventh, eighth grade. So that was a long way. So literally the, story, <laughs> literally the stories you just shared with us um, basically sums it up that the earlier we condition our children, right? And the earlier we condition the youth, the more structured and the more understanding that they will have in reference to student loans. And I'm glad you shared that story because now that's something that I want to implement with my boys. I have a 16-year-old son. Um, he'll be going into his senior year as of next year. And he's looking at um, Clark Atlanta. So yeah. uh, and his grades are definitely great. So that's one of the things that I'm, and he's at a magnet school. So they're going to be providing him with additional um 
funding and scholarships, but for my four-year-old, mm-hmm. I think that's something that I want to at least begin to try to implement now. So now, not only is it is helping us as a whole, it's actually conditioning his mind and giving him something to look forward to. So I appreciate you sharing those. So everyone needs to hear about that. Well, they're yeah. going to hear about that after this episode. So um, I, I definitely social media clip too. I think that's a good clip because yeah, that's that's a good one. These little boys was like like they just get excited about going to school every day because there's a big coloring chart above right there near their bed that says they can pay for school. So I think that's a a really great tool she decided to use. Yeah, I, uh, Look, I'm over here playing it in my head, like, look, how am I going to implement this? And are we going to do it on birthdays? Are we going to do it at the beginning of each um, winter break or school year? That's something. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's a good module. And like I said, to provide them with that incentive, I think that's more so of a plus. And then in their mind, they're like, hey, I have X, Y, Z amount of money. What if I don't use it the first school two semesters? Am I going to be able to be compensated that cash? So that's definitely um, a great incentive for parents to use um, in general and just teaching children about finances. So now that that opens up a whole nother conversation because now we're learning about the finances of what money can do and how savings Mm -hmm. actually should be implemented. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a really, really great story. Um, a great example overall. And I think a lot of people will be able to kind of relate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything new or has there been any changes within the student loan bill? So we all see about the PLSF and I know that your company does offer that. Um, I actually went through you guys. So I know you guys, yeah. (laughs) So I know you guys have the uh, public loan service forgiveness. Can you talk about that? So that, who does that apply? Yeah, that's my favorite program. So it, it applies to those that are in the nonprofit sector. Um, if you are a social worker, um, certain healthcare providers, education, government, um, acts of service positions, technically, right? And as long as you are not, but here's a little caveat, as long as you're not a contractor, but as of July, 2023, even contractors in those positions are now eligible. So some big changes that are happening. So for example, like those that are nurses, right? Nurses traditionally qualify for this. But if you're a travel nurse, now you may not because you're being contracted. But as of July, 2023, you'll now be able to qualify. So for that nurse that may have had experience at the hospital, stop receiving qualified months, can now start receiving qualified months as of July. So it's a big win. And we're going to be teaching a lot about that on the platform. And what we've done, is, which is very revolutionary, is we've even told those that are entrepreneurs, like, listen, if you are a business owner as an entrepreneur, you need what we call a nonprofit arm. So the big uh, gist around that is, so like, say, for example, um, you have your real estate business, right? Well, what nonprofit do you desire to attach to that business? Do you want to teach other young women and men, younger maybe, how to get into the real estate business? Maybe you create a business where, Kiana, you show them how to do lunch and learns and you take um on the weekends, they go to open houses with you. They help stage house, child, I don't know. Whatever that looks like through your nonprofit work, that nonprofit allows you to set yourself up for public service loan forgiveness. So instead of things coming out of your pocket, like, oh, I want to take 10 boys and, and show them how to, uh, let's just say, take care of properties. So it's so funny. One of my good friends, um, he had a hard time finding a job. He was like, you know what? When I'm going to do it, he was like, 
I'm going to start servicing properties that I see for sale signs on. And I want to contact the bank and let them know that I can uh, mow the lawns and, and do the landscaping. I'm like, okay. In his first year of doing that, because he did it like in the, he, he intentionally chose houses that looked like they were being like not taken care of and they had a for sale sign. And, you know, the bank has to keep that up via the city. He made a million dollars his first year doing that. He got himself going. He hired some friends. Now, what if we thought about programs like that for our youth? Because I think a lot of times um, we don't, we're not always interested, you know, ages 14 to 17 to 18. It's really hard to find them jobs that they can see good income coming in from and really trying to keep our boys engaged out of the streets. But what if we created a program like that via your nonprofit? Now, it might help you, Kiana, if you had some boys helping you stage and move things to show an open house. I'm totally making this up on the fly. But things like that, we have to get creative as entrepreneurs as to how to be good givers in our business, but also receive a blessing in return. The blessing is if you still have student loans, you can use the PSLF program. And the bigger blessing is um, why would you want to give money to the IRS when you could give it back to your own entity? So now you're keeping money in-house, if that makes sense. So we teach a lot of um, traditional concepts and I call them non-traditional concepts so that people can be empowered, whoever comes across our page and they can just find their lane and fall their way in through. So we're doing a lot of work around forgiveness this year by way of the Biden administration, if you will. <laughs> so that was definitely one of the eye catchers for me. Um, so with my company, Can They Global Enterprise, that's more of the financial literacy uh, piece of the business. So we do seminars, uh, we do business startup, we help with business credit. However, uh, K&A Credit Counseling, that's our nonprofit entity okay. to where we do credit education. So that's how we were able to even qualify for it because it, for, it falls under the lines of education. Mm -hmm. So regardless of what type of education it was that I was providing, it's still some form of educating to where we're educating clients and consumers. So right. that was one of the ways that we were able to, yep, that was one of the ways we was able to qualify for the program. And I just wanted to touch base on that because a lot of people go on um what is the website? Uh, whoever is servicing your loans, like Mohina, mm -hmm. um, it's a bunch of other names for the people that service your loans, Ooh. right? And they look at that application and they look at those qualifications and they instantly get discouraged. Is yeah. it a long, lengthy read? Yes, it is. But the process is so easy. And what I uh, loved about how you presented the process was um, it's user-friendly. So mm -hmm. it's done to the lamest extent. So even if it's, you know, once you go on the website, you see how wordy wordy it can be. Um, your process, you actually have it to where it's a it's steps A, B, and C. And so mm -hmm. if you guys do have student loans or if you feel as if you do qualify for loan forgiveness at some capacity, I am definitely going to say um, get with Sonia Lewis, um, she has the student loan doctor company, definitely has been beneficial for me. I yeah. have not I've been completely forgiven yet, but I have had over $20,000 forgiven. So oh, good. I have about 48,000 left, but we're working on it. We're working on it. So um, last but not least, um, because this ties more into the services that I offer within getting pre-approved for your home loan. Mm -hmm. How does student loans get approved? I'm sorry, 
That's the wrong question. Mm -hmm. How do you get approved for a home loan if you have student loans? Or is it even possible? Oh, yeah. This is the best time to to really be interested in home buying and um, student loans. So um, in 2021, in August, um, the, the Housing Administration um, really did some radical things as it relates to student loans. So in terms of getting approved before for a mortgage, they were looking at, you know, do your do your loans when they're looking at them, do we take the entitled, excuse me, the entire uh, 1% of what it is that you owe? Or they were, it was like astronomical numbers. It was just crazy, right? So now with the new program, they're saying, listen, if your payment reports at, uh, let's say, um, 250 a month, they can use that number versus it being a 1% of what you owe. So the challenge with that is if we've got buyers that have six-figure student loan debt, that is not a friendly number. So we are hoping um, that they can use the number that is on their report. So that change is big and it's new. Um, you want to talk to a mortgage lender about that. Um, and then it, it just allows you to take on more home. The problem that we were seeing before 2021 is that unless you had like grade A credit and you will lose some first time home buying perks, you had to go conventional. And that was another route that people had went. So I'm really excited. I think as we are exiting this pandemic repayment pause, like come September, I think we're going to see a lot more people be eligible for homes um, in the home buying process because of the new changes that have been happening. So I'm really, really excited. We're actually going to be kicking off and we can pull you in, Kiana. Um, I think about March, we're, we're starting to kick off our home buying series for our platform because so many people um, just don't know who to start with with the home buying process. They don't know, you know, what else outside of their student loans, maybe a little bit about their credit they should have in order. And I just think that the market is changing for the good yeah. or bad. So we want to talk about what those changes look like and when's the best time to start looking to buy. So um, it's going to be good. I'm excited. We're going to see as much as we're seeing people forgiven. I know we're going to start to see people uh, tag us to home purchases. And we were we did this a while back and it was such a good run. So I'm excited to see it again. Yeah, I, I think that that was um what you guys had did back then, I remember kind of just like channeling it because I knew that that was one of the key things that a lot of potential home buyers was always asking and they were always scared and afraid of. Mm -hmm. Is my student loans going to affect my ability to buy a home? So there, the answer is yes and no in some forms, right? Because if your debt to income ratio is higher and you're not able to bring that down, then yes, the student loans can potentially affect your home buying approval. But that does not mean you do not qualify to buy a home. So I just wanted to get it from the experienced person herself when it comes to student loans. So um, just to be very clear, student loans does not hinder you or disqualify you from buying a home. However, the amount of student loan that you have can do, can determine exactly how much home you can afford. And I think uh, we need to talk about that a little more because Normally, everyone that I get in contact with and we're doing their pre-approvals, even if it's one or two loans or there are some form of student loans that's been there, some that has been forgiven. We have some that's in forbearance. How does that work for you guys? Um, 
So if I have a student loan that's in forbearance, can you guys still provide me with any type of services? We can't in terms of home buying. Is that what you mean? Well, no. Well, we know that what's in home buying, as long as we have a, a write-up showing that it's in forgiveness and the amount that they owe, um, we can take that and we can add that uh, percentage of that into that debt-to-income ratio. My question is, for if you're looking to receive any type of repayment services through your program, okay. what if my loans are already within forbearance? Do I still qualify to be a part of your program? Yeah. So remember, most times when people are in forbearance outside of the pandemic, it's because they feel like they can't pay um, or they have other things happening in life that they had to put a pause. So most times when people come to us, they are in forbearance or sometimes in default because they're like, girl, my payment is supposed to be $2,000, like, you know, and so we work through some affordable options for them, and then based off of that, then they can decide, okay, I want to go into repayment, because see, Kiana, the thing is, repayment is always tied to something, it's always not, like, like it's just tied to a goal, like, so if you're coming to us, you either want to get your credit fixed, you're ready to purchase a home, you're ready to get into some type of forgiveness program, but there's always an action on the other side of whatever somebody contacts us for. I've never really seen anybody ever just say, I'm ready to talk about these loans. It's always predicated on something. So most people come as is or in the negative or however you want to call it. And then it's our job to say, hey, listen, what we recommend you do is X, Y, and Z so we can see you get to this goal of X, Y, and Z. And then we're tying in our resources such as your company and other companies. So like, hey, you're not alone. So the step one is here, but then step two looks like, and I find that when you give people resources and a game plan, they stick with it. Um, they get their credit done and, and it fixed quickly. They uh, pay attention to their, their loans and do what they need to do with their lender. They... Um, they get excited about the home buying process and they're showing up for home buying workshops and because there's a plan in place. So, um, you know, we're very come as you are. You know, most people come as a mess. That's fine. <laughs> uh, we don't expect people to come picture perfect because student loans is like the number one thing that gets neglected on everybody's credit report and in their finances, um, just depending on who the person is. So we understand that. And then so we're just going to move from that point, if that makes sense. So we don't make people feel bad. Like, so tell me about why you didn't pay for the last six years. Like, we don't do that. Um, but we just kind of meet people where they're at and then go from there. So last thing um, that I want to share, when I enrolled into the program, I was already in a repayment program. Mm -hmm. And of course, I took advantage of paying the lowest denominator that was offered. So I was literally paying about $25 a month. Okay. And it was a waste of time. It was a waste of time because of the interest that was growing on it day after day was not even adding up to the $25 that I was paying a month. Okay. So um, I think going into an applicable payment plan actually serves you greater than trying to take the easy way out. Because for some people, as long as they're within some form of payment plan, it eases their conscience. So now we're talking about removing the the, the mm -hmm. ease of your conscience and doing something that's going to be beneficial for you in the long run. And I can say that your company have been doing a really good job with that. So again, we are excited that you um, was able to come on with us today and just provide your knowledge into which it's accessible. You know, we stand by knowledge and accessibility over here at KNA. Can you tell the people some things to look forward to as far as any products or services that you'll be launching this upcoming year or um any events that's going on that people can be a part of? 
We have so much happening. Um, so one of the things I would say to tap into would be our nonprofit arm challenge. They are the most fun that we have because it is truly a five-day intensive how to start a nonprofit program. And they're actually really, really affordable. Um, you could get in as low as $47. And then we have a platinum ticket that we always attach a really awesome class to. So like this go round on February 19th, the class is going to be about um getting approved for a platinum American Express card. And so we have a contact in American Express that we're going to pull in um, and really teach people how to utilize the card and get approved. So it's going to be a really good class. And then on the other side of that, um, our last go round, we showed people how to set up a family trust. Like we think that's important for people to know and understand. So every challenge is always a new topic. Um, I call it a fire topic that people just need to know more about or be exposed to, if you will. So I'm really excited about the work that we're doing with that. And then the, the last thing is, I would say in terms of live events, we have a lot of live events that are predicated on bigger programming. So I love to do things in luxury. So Kiana, I wish we could have, could have invited you um, and it was an oversight. I, I'm sorry, we should have had you there. The, the boat event we did in Miami, but we'll have you the next one. Um, we did a, a three- yeah, let me tell you something. That was so good. We did a 300 mega yacht event. And I think that people did not know we did not come to play. Like we've done yachts event. So we do something called business on the boat where we invite people to come learn on yachts. But this yacht was like a cruise ship. Okay. And so people were walking up and like, you could just see everybody that was tagging us and like, oh my God, are you serious? Like nobody's photo frame could get the whole boat in one photo. Like you had to do a panorama. It's so decent. Anyway, long story short, um, it was so nice to see people um, really happy to be on the boat. Everyone had good energy, no stink attitudes. All the speakers came with 110% of fire. Um, so we're going to be doing more things like that. We, we're not that same boat, but we're actually looking to do the same concept on a cruise ship. And we'll probably be doing that before 2023 is over. So, if the, and the thing I really pride ourselves on, Kian, I have to say this, is that we always make things so affordable. Um, my peers always laugh at me like, oh my God, how are you making money? Well, here's the thing. We have a lot of people that we serve. So yeah. if I'm selling something for $10 or I'm selling something for a hundred or I'm selling something for a thousand, when the thousand dollar ticket really should have been like 5,000, um, it always sells out. And we're always very fortunate to exceed goals because we serve. So if you see something that you want to be a part of, um, just know it doesn't have a high ticket to it. But the thing I do teach my community, though, is to invest in yourself um, by them investing in programmings with you, even their time listening to this podcast, you're going to get greater. So 2023 for me is what are you going to invest in and be selfish with you about this year so that you can have greater outcomes. So the more events we have, we're going to be posting them on our page. We'll share them out with you and other people so that people can be aware of these things. Get in the room with like-minded people so you Absolutely. can still see your goals come into fruition a lot quicker. So it's going to be a really, really good year. I'm excited. It's going to be a busy year, but I'm excited <laughs> all the work that we have to do. Is there anything else that you would like to add um, so the listeners and the viewers be able to have something um, in addition to takeaway? 
you know, just follow us on social media. I think um, Instagram is my like go-to because I'm so comfortable with that platform. The Student Loan Doctor. We're going to be revamping our LinkedIn. Um, we have a podcast that we're starting. So it's so funny. It has nothing to do with student loans and finances. We have so much content on YouTube and Instagram for that. Um, and I'd love to have you as a guest. We got to figure out a good lane to bring you in. But I'll just give you the concept really quickly. It is a common sense podcast for women, Kiana. I think that what I've learned in my community is that there are not enough plain conversations um, for women to discuss real life topics. I mean, we could bring, we could even spend it to do something about home buying in a way that's funny, but in a way that is like, it's going to make you think by the time you get done the podcast. So I do a lot of this like testing, I call it inside of my community. And it can stuff as simple as like, when's the last time you changed your sheets? I know that sounds radical, like what is she? <laughs> and or brought new towels, new new bras. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds like real radical, but I don't believe that you can be telling me that you're attracting a wealth mindset or you're asking God to give you a new house, a new car, and you still got on old drawers. Like I ain't never seen nothing like that. That's poverty. So anyway, I know it sounds real, real harsh out loud, but absolutely no, it does not. And we I love the idea and the concept of that because a lot of a lot of the times, once we phase out from um, one level of life, right, and we excel to the next, mm-hmm. what I have seen, and I'm not saying that this is for everyone, right, but from what I have seen that it's always more of the exterior that we only see and we don't see the interior. So this conversation is almost kind of just like candid conversation. Like, that's awesome. That's because that's a, that's a yeah. real I have to loop you back in. We're going to start doing some tapings in March. Um, I am so excited about it because literally these are the conversations we're having inside of our community. And it just be like real quick stuff that jumps off after a whole nother class topic. But something sparks it. And I just say what I want to say. And like, I literally have my community on Zoom with their cameras on. I said, you go to your, you go to your uh your drawers right now. And they actually went, right? I don't know, who am I? And I'm like, now, now you see holes in your drawers. And the guys was like, oh my God, these do got holes. Now I know that sounded really radical <laughs> and it was so funny to watch people's reactions, like, you know, like, but the thing is, it's like, don't tell me you are saving to get into a new uh, GLE or a Lamborghini and you got holes in your drawers. Like I ain't never seen it. So, you know, but who else would have these conversations with you? A lot of us don't have grandmothers and grandparents to regulate those conversations. So I'm just going to bring it back, you know? So anyway, love to have you on. Um, I think it's a good conversation. We could do a spin on getting ready for your first home because Kiana, how do they treat their apartment? You know, like literally, like you, you gonna move that same furniture in the new home with the cigarette button. So anyway, so it's gonna be fun. So I'll bring you back. Um, we'll 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 jazz it up. It's gonna be good. <laughs> okay, I look forward to it. Um, yeah, I would definitely love to have a real raw conversation in reference to home buying, you know, outside of the the structured conversation of this is what your credit score needs to be. This is the financial side of it. Um, Let's talk in a row about home buying. And like you said, in transitioning over from being a renter to a owner, you know, we get so hyped up and being able to say like, hey, we're either landlords or we possess property, but do we really know what comes with it? 
mm-hmm. you know, so and this is a really quick, this is a really true story. My first building, um, I had a pest issue mm-hmm. and I was like, look, put it back on the market. I don't want it. Get rid of it. Sell it. Um, right. Who's going to live there with pests? Right. And then more that I began to become more seasoned and I learned that these are things that happen within real estate. These are some of the challenges that you're going to go for uh, and go through as a either a owner occupant or mm-hmm. just the owner. So it's not always peachy and cream on that other side. The hype is there. The thrill is there. Of course, we feel inner accomplished, but do understand that this thing can get a, it can get pretty and it can get pretty ugly. So I'm definitely excited. Um, so we'll talk about a landlord series because that's buying properties. I, and I started out with a management company and I'm on my way back to a management company yeah. and I'll just keep it there. Um, it can be a catch 22 as a landlord. I Even think it makes it look like the truth to be. A no, 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 no. <laughs> oh my God. You got to think as a landlord. What if you have a tenant that's not paying? Now yeah. you're paying for court costs. Now you're in court. Like it's so many different. Um, it's a lot of pros, but there can also be a lot of cons because even if we have a person that's on paper and that's paying, right, and they have the sufficient income coming in, things happen in people's lives. Right. And it's not for us to understand. People might spiral all the time, but as a landlord, I'm the person that's going to be affected. Right. So yeah, um, being a landlord, it, it's, it can be a little um, catchy, but like I said, it's a great thing because we have that residual income coming in. And I hear on these platforms so much, everyone talks about the perks of the residual income. But again, no one is giving the hardcore truth about being a landlord or your requirement and what's required of you uh, for the keep up of these properties that we have. So, yeah, I, I think that's going to be a great topic. Yeah. A great topic. I'll pull you back in, get your brain thinking about what that could look like. Um, and we could take the conversation from there, but I'm excited about it. I think it's just bringing some basics back to some common sense to a lot of things. So I'm excited about it. So thank you so much. What they say, the girl said, (laughs) absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, It's a pleasure. And you guys will definitely hear and see more of us soon together. So look forward to that in 2023. Um, Again, as promised, we were providing knowledge and accessibility. Thank you, Sonia, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Have a good day.